All right, so a few things to know before you listen to my interview with Dean Locklear, a junior political science major and one of a handful of students who took part in the Esther Howard Research Fellows Program over the summer. Uh, first off, Dean is a native Lumbee Indian. His research this summer focused on land recognition agreements for Lumbee and Kohari tribes here in North Carolina. Uh, the Kohari are based here in Harnett County and in Sampson County, so that really localizes his research. Um, his research ties wonderfully into a story that I'm actually working on for an upcoming edition of Campbell Magazine. Uh, it's about Campbell's growing partnership with the North Carolina Commission of Indian Affairs and the history of Native Americans in the central part of this state. So I don't usually do a podcast on a story that's still a few months away, but uh, consider this podcast part of my own research, so you're going to be learning right along with me. Uh, second, second thing you need to know is I met Dean about three minutes before we started recording, and I have not read his research yet, but I will. I, I promise I will. Uh, so if my questions do come off as a bit in, uninformed, it's because they are. Uh, I was learning, again, I'm learning right along with you uh, about his research, and I think that does come off in some of my questions, and I apologize to you, I apologize to Dean about that, but but uh, the third thing you need to know is that Dean handled it all wonderfully, and I'm really excited to include him as my own personal first guest of this fall. So as you may know, Rhymes with Orange is now a two-man project. Uh, Evan Budrovich joined our marketing and communications team over the summer, and he kicked off the new season last week with uh, a podcast with assistant head coach, head football coach, uh, Stephen Williams. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, why don't you go ahead and pause this one, go back, listen to that one, and then you can come back and listen to this one just so you have it all in a nice, tidy order. Um, so as for me, this is my 11th year here at Campbell University, and I think it's my fifth year doing the podcast. The pandemic slowed us down a bit as far as the podcast goes, but uh, we're back, and uh, we're going to try to do one a week throughout the semester. So um, include us into your uh, into your podcast rotation and uh, sit back and enjoy and learn more about uh, Campbell University. So thanks go out to Dean Locklear for uh, talking to me and for sharing his research, and thanks go out to you for listening to this podcast. I'm Billy Liggett. I'm the Director of News and Publications here at Campbell University, and this rhymes with orange. Okay, so I'm with Dean Locklear. He is a junior political science major from Garner, North Carolina. You're, you are a huge resource for me right now. So, um, so I'm just going to start by asking, first off, thank you for agreeing to do this, Dean. And uh, um, I appreciate you uh, doing this. But first off, just tell me uh, what your research is about. Uh, I know it's a very broad question, but just kind of w- what you studied and a little bit of what you found out. Right, so uh, I can kind of start out with explaining what a land acknowledgement statement is. Um, A land acknowledgement statement is something that's either included in a professor's syllabus or read before an event on campus, Um, but essentially it's acknowledging the history of Native American people uh, on an institution's campus or around an institution's campus. So it's something that's kind of gaining more and more popularity here in the United States. Um, It originated more in Canada and in New Zealand uh, and in Australia. 
Um, it kind of started over in the eastern, uh, or excuse me, the western part of the country, and is slowly coming in towards uh, the south, the southeast. Okay. So, we uh, decided to study other institutions in North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, and Georgia to kind of understand what they've been doing in terms of land acknowledgement, pro uh, land acknowledgement statements, whether or not they've published land acknowledgement statements. Um, and so essentially what we did is we collected a list of every institution in those four states um, and did a lot of Googling and uh, created sort of a database of every single land acknowledgement statement from those institutions. Um, and we were able to kind of study the context, uh, the contents of those, and kind of compare and contrast with what experts have put forward as best practices uh, in land acknowledgement statements. So, again, going back to the reason why I'm interested in this, uh, Campbell University has hosted the North Carolina Commission of Indian Affairs uh, quarterly meeting twice now, and the dean of our School of Education and Human Sciences is a uh, is a Lumbee um, member of the Lumbee mm -hmm. tribe. And so that's what got me interested in this. And then, and then I learned that uh, Kohari tribe is, uh, um, is based out of Harnett County and Sampson County. Um, I'm going to guess that, that the Kohari tribe plays a, a role in your research. That's so what did, what did you find out about uh, the people that were here long before we were? Yeah, so actually that commission meeting is how I kind of got involved with it. Uh, like Dr. Bryant, I'm a member of the Lumbee tribe. Uh, and okay. so if, as uh, part of that connection, I was invited to attend, and he and I got to speaking, and that's actually how I kind of got involved uh, in this project in the first place. But um, what we found is that actually Kohari and Lumbee were the two tribes that uh, the experts who we spoke to um, most strongly believe have the connection uh, to the Harnett County area. Um, especially the Kohari. The Kohari, their headquarters is located in Sampson County. Uh, they predominantly live in Sampson and Harnett County. Um, and a lot of, one thing that I learned is a lot about the Native American population uh, in the Harnett County area. Uh, they make up around 2% of the population. Um, and I got to speak to uh, a couple of members of the Kohari tribe. Um, I was able to speak to the tribal chairman, uh, Mr. Greg Jacobs, who was able to kind of walk me through some of the history of the Kohari people, their history with Campbell University, um, and some of the things that Campbell University is currently doing to partner with their tribe to uh, address some of the some of the needs of their community. Okay. So again, I, I met you about five minutes ago. Right, right. I did not know that you were a member of the Lumbee tribe. Yes. Um, yes. How uh, is it full blooded? Is, tell me. Tell me about your uh, your so, yeah. uh, so <laughs> your line here. Question. Um, so I'm a member of the tribe. We, which is like a tribal. I'm tribally. I'm enrolled in the tribe. Uh, okay. My dad is enrolled in the tribe. Both okay. of my grandparents uh, on my dad's side are enrolled in the tribe. Uh, my mom is not. Uh, there's no really connection there that I'm aware of. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a familial connection. Um, and, that's, and that's based in like Robeson County. That's correct. Okay. Right. Most of my family lives in Robeson County. Um, my dad moved. Uh, he was born in Raleigh, uh, spent a few years of his childhood uh, in Robeson County. A majority of my dad's family lives out there. And so I kind of have that connection that way. Okay. All right. So when when you see the name Dean Locklear, you, you don't know, you know, it's not, it's not like... Well, actually, one thing that is interesting about the Lumbee tribe uh -huh. is... Uh, a large portion of Lumbees have the last name Locklear. Okay. I think that it's uh, it's actually the most predominant na last name along among uh, Lumbee people, and so if you're ever driving around the uh, Robinson County area, you'll see a lot of like Locklear businesses, Locklear okay. Road, things like that. So where's the name? Uh, where's the name like come from? Like what? What's the meaning behind the last name then? 
Um, so that wasn't something that I studied as part of my project. So this yeah. is kind of... I just thought maybe you knew that. Just yeah. <laughs> family history. That's all right. Yeah. Um, so our understanding is that it is uh, an Irish last name that at some point came over um, when Native American people and uh, the white settlers were kind of intermarrying and... Okay. All right. Interesting. Very yeah. interesting. There's a lot of history behind that. Yeah. And, and I know in talking to Dr. Bryant, uh, we could go really deep into... Lumbee history, but I, I did want to focus on, uh, and you're, you're pronouncing Kohari. I pronounce mm-hmm. it Kohari. I'm assuming Kohari is the correct pronunciation. Right, so, so, so I'm going to start saying Kohari <laughs> from here on out. Okay. Um, so what did you find out about uh, where we, um, the Kohari tribe and um, and its Harnett County and their Harnett County origins? And So I can kind of talk a little bit about my expectations of, of what would we would be able to find out and kind of what that brought us to. So my expectation was to be able to find out a lot of information using archaeological evidence and then historical documentation. So the first person who I spoke to, one of the first people who I spoke to was actually the state archaeologist, uh, John Mintz. And one thing that I learned was that uh, they have evidence in their uh, archives that, that says that Native American people have had a continuous presence in the Harnett County area for over 14,000 years. So we know that Native American people have been here. They are still here today. Um, One thing that I learned is that you cannot use archaeological evidence to answer our question of which tribes were they. Um, There was not a specific tool or any specific practice that would say, you know, okay, well, Kohari did this and Lumbee did this. So that didn't exist. So we turned from archaeological evidence to historical documentation. From there, we also ran into a couple of challenges because... Um, one of the biggest things was that there were uh, courthouse fires towards the end of uh, the 1800s. I think it was 1892 and 1894. Um, so a majority of Harnett County's records uh, up until that point have been destroyed. Um, and even if those records existed, there would be a lot of limitations because um, Native American people at that time on censuses would have been referred to as free persons of color. Um, and that's a distinction. It, it, with that term, it's not possible to distinguish between a Native American person and basically any other non-white person. Right. And so uh, archaeological evidence, we were kind of coming up short uh, on, on determining a specific tribe. Documentation, we didn't really have anything that existed that would help us determine a specific tribe. So what we really relied on is uh, actual members of that tribe. Okay. Uh, and those tribes, representatives of the Lumbees and the Coheries. Um, and speaking to them and, and kind of understanding their own history uh, with the land. Okay. And so that's how we kind of made those uh, determinations of the Lumbee and the Kohari as the two tribes. I've gone back and, and read about just uh, Native Americans in the last hundred years here in North Carolina and how they've grown politically and, and you know, have organized. But um, going f- further back, you know, 19th century, 18th century. I, I know nothing about the the North Carolina history here, but uh, what did you learn uh, about Kohari that uh, um, just from the stories that were told to you, I guess? So uh, what I learned about the distinction between tribes east and west of the Mississippi is that um, in the early 1800s, a majority of Native American people were moved out west onto reservations. Right. And so the tribes that are here currently are left over um, from those that stayed. Uh, and so a majority of people left, and around that time is when Lumbee and Kohari came together as tribes. Okay. So prior to around 1850, I don't believe that they had um, 
a distinction. They didn't view themselves as Kohiri or they weren't called Kohiri. Um, let's see. They, uh, I know that they were recognized by the state in 18, uh, 1971. Uh, the Lumbee uh, had recognition in the late 1800s uh, from the state. Um, they're still on the path to trying to get federal recognition. Uh, the Kohiri also do not have federal recognition. I imagine because you're personally tied to this that, that your research doesn't just stop here. So right. t- tell me about what you learned and, and uh, what, what you're going to do going forward. Yeah, well, I can kind of share some of our findings from um, what some of the other institutions in the Southeast uh, have done in terms of land acknowledgement uh, statements. So out of those four states, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, and Georgia, uh, we found 31 land acknowledgement statements from around 175 institutions. Um, 100% of them, all of them at least mentioned one specific tribe. Uh, we learned that six of the 31 included a pronunciation guide, so that's around 19% had a pronunciation guide. Um, 20 out of the 31 had some specific mention of future efforts towards reconciliation, whether that's a scholarship program, whether that's partnering with the Native American communities to, uh, in terms of healthcare, something along those lines. Uh, I learned that 17 out of the 31 had mentioned the displacement of Native American people, and our most, one of our most significant findings is that zero out of the 31 had mentioned any specific uh, expressions of remorse, remorse, regret, or apology. Um, so I found that so interesting. So re- repeat that last, that last one to me. What? Repeat that again. The so last we part. learned that none of the 31 institutions had made any mention of regret, remorse, or apology in their uh, land acknowledgement statements. And so, w- what does that mean? So. Um, that that they didn't express any regret or apologies, or that nobody expressed that to them. So nobody, ex- they did not express that in their land acknowledgement statement. So okay. there was not a sentence saying, you know, we recognize that uh, Native American people were displaced from this land, and we regret that. Huh. Um, which was interesting. Yeah. Out of Thirty-one institutions that nobody thought to include that. Yeah, that's well. I mean, it's not surprising, but it is surprising. Right. <laughs> you know. Okay. All right, and um, and so what did a, a, as a as a native Lumbee yourself, mm-hmm. and and uh, what did you get out of this personally? I guess that maybe you didn't expect going in. I, I know you did the research because it was something you started off familiar with, but I imagine that you had to have learned something along the way that that you didn't know that. Um, uh, you held dear or mm-hmm. just, you know, the overall experience, uh, maybe got you closer to, you know, to your, uh, to your history. What, what did you get out of this personally? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I think that the first thing that I learned was how little I knew about Native American history. You know, right. I am a Native American person. Uh, I grew up, uh, outside of Native American communities going to, um, a school that didn't have a lot of Native American people. Uh, and I learned that, you know, we don't really prioritize, uh, Native American history, and that's not something that we have kind of included in our curriculum. Um, and so I kind of learned how much I had missed out and how much of our country's history, our local history, our university history um, really hasn't been reported. And so I'm hoping that my project uh, will play a role in changing that. Um, part of the personal uh, benefits was I got to dedicate the uh, project to my grandparents. Um, okay. My grandma was one of the first people who I kind of presented the final project to. Yeah. Um, and so getting to share that with her was uh, was a really rewarding experience. That's very cool. Um, and so 
I mentioned at the beginning of this interview that uh, that the dean of our school of education um, is also uh, native Lumbee. Mm-hmm. And uh, did you know him um, before all this started, or before you got to Campbell University? No. So this was like, my first time meeting him uh, at the NC Commission meeting, which happened on campus. And right. so, and how did he help you? Well, he was very helpful because I mean, he he really oversaw the entire project. Um, he has a lot of connections within the Native American community. Um, I think that he was previously at UNC Pembroke, which is um, a university that that deals very very closely with the Lumbee tribe. Right. And so he was able to make a lot of connections for me, a lot of introductions, um, and and really he was a resource that I went to to ask for advice, ask, you know, is this the direction that we want to move in? And so he was uh, enormously helpful in that, in that regard. And how did, how did you uh, find Campbell University? You said you're from Robinson County, which isn't too far from here, but you had other options as far as schools, closer options. What, what uh, brought you to Campbell University? Yeah, well, I was born and raised in the uh, Wake County area, so that wasn't too far okay, away. Yeah. Um, but still a lot of options. Yeah, I had kind of a normal experience. They actually uh, came to my high school and I was able to uh, have an interview there okay. um, and had, I think it was called on-site uh, acceptance. And so I kind of had that connection um, and it seemed like a university that had a lot of community. I came from a smaller high school. That was something that was important to me. Um, it's near where I grew up, and so I kind of had the opportunity to build community here while also remaining part of a uh, community at home, and so those were kind of the factors that that helped me choose Campbell. So I, I've done um, I've done research into Campbell University history and Harnett County history. Um, I didn't find this necessarily so much at Campbell University, but in studying Harnett County, uh, Harnett County and some of the surrounding areas don't have a great history in terms of... Uh, um, social social justice and sure. tolerance and and uh, things like that. Uh, a lot has changed, obviously, right. in the last fifty, sixty years. And uh, do you see that this part of North Carolina is becoming more? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the no apologies thing, which is mm-hmm. interesting. But do you see that this area and the state as a whole is becoming more mindful of its Native American history and uh, um, and how do you see that? I guess growing in the next maybe 10, 20 years? Yeah, I think that, you know, we we can always do more. I think that every day we're taking a step in a positive direction. And I think that the most important thing is education. Uh, I remember as a freshman at Campbell, I was in Dr. Sherry Truffin's English class, and she asked for us to uh, list out all of the writers um, that we studied in high school. And she wrote around probably a list of like maybe 35 names on her board. Mm -hmm. And we looked at all of those names, and I think it was Maya Angelou was the one exception. All other writers were uh, white, and most of them were men. And so I I think that we kind of have to really focus on education, focus on, you know, what we're learning in schools, and make sure that we're learning all of our history, not just the clean parts, not just the parts that have always been studied, but uh, also the ugly parts, the parts that we haven't really focused on because, you know, if we want to focus on tomorrow, we have to learn about our past and learn how to how to avoid making those mistakes in the future. That's a whole other subject of teaching the ugly parts of our right. history, which I completely 100% agree with, but not everybody seems to agree right. with it. Sure. So yeah. Uh, we, could, yeah, we could talk about that another time. But uh, you said you're a political uh, science major. What's um, what are your your goals post-college? You still have a couple years here, but uh, what do you hope a degree here leads to? Well, my hope is to get a law degree. You know, I really want to um, just serve. I want to kind of be a person who I'm able to come into people's lives, you know, because when someone needs an attorney, they're kind of really at a low point. Um, right. And so I want to 
be able to come into their lives when they're at a low point and hopefully help them get past whatever issue they're dealing with and uh, leave their life a better a better place. So law school after this then? That's the hope. Okay. That's the hope. All right. And uh, um, I want to thank you very much for, for agreeing to do this. Uh, I can't wait to read your, your paper, and I can't wait to learn more about it. And, and it's going to help me immensely in my in my research, too. So I want to thank you for doing this, and best of luck in your, your uh, next two years here, and best of luck in the future. Of course. Thank you very much.